Hello, Frank. My dad kidnapped me once. A holiday is what this will be. You and me, son. On 12th of October, 2004, my dad popped out to buy a bottle of milk and never came back. Frank Burton. That's my name as well. I'm Frank Jr. Of course, your investigation. I know about your secret flat. I have an irrational fear of traffic wardens. Stop sticking your nose into matters that don't concern you. I was Frank Burton's wife and Frank Burton's mother. That was everything I am. Maybe it's like kosher or halal? Kosher or halal bacon, that's a new one. Everything I am. You and me, son. Everything I am. Everything I Am is the brand new novel by the author and podcaster Frank Burton. Available as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook, which is currently available for Name Your Price. Find all the details at frankburton.co.uk. Welcome to Ragbag. My name's Frank Burton. We had some great ideas on last week, didn't we? I've got some more for you. I am full of them right now. Genius level stuff, as always. Also, we have a different kind of guest on this week. Comedian and podcaster, Matt Hoss. Yeah. So Matt Hoss is talking to us later. He's actually a musician as well. That is to say, he recorded a country album as a joke. It's very funny. Here's one of the things Matt is going to be saying to me later on. Quite early on in the grieving process after the heartbreak, I thought it wouldn't be quite funny if I tried to win her back by uh, by writing a country album and that kind of manifested into the show and in the final product is there and it's kind of a massive bit of whimsy but I thought uh, what would be a really funny punchline is if it was, wasn't was just a whimsical notion that oh I created a country album for her is if I would actually create a genuine <laughs> album uh, music Speaking of comedy if you were listening last week I read out a very good joke that one of our listeners sent in I won't read it out again I don't actually I don't want to talk about it I just wanted to point out There's a regular listener who often sends me jokes under different aliases. I won't say his name. He may or may not be a principal cast member in the film Avengers Infinity War. And now, because I laughed at that one joke last week, he's acting like he's a comic genius all of a sudden. He's gone back to sending in random stuff that doesn't make any sense. Like this. Question. Who invented toast? Answer. Kevin Toast. Don't give up a day job, Benedict. I have a lot of shout-outs this week. I have so many of them that I've compiled a long list of names. And then what I did was, I put the names into a certain order, so that when I read them out, they have a certain rhythm to them. And there's some rhyming too. You know what I mean, listeners? It's a poem. I've written a shout-outs poem. Here it is. 
Shout out to Mandy, shout out to Sandy, shout out to Zintec, Beeswax and Andy. Andy himself had a previous shout out. I'm glad to hear he got his barley problem sorted out. Shout out to Jemima in the Outer Hebrides. Shout out to Davis, Susanna and Squeeze. Not sure if that's the band or a strange nickname. Sean and Sean, different spelling, same name. Shout out to Mohammed who shortens it to Mo. And finally, there's fabulous Friedrich in Walthamstow. Fabulous Friedrich is a regular correspondent, of course. You may recognise the name from previous episodes. He doesn't listen to the podcast. He doesn't even know what a podcast is. He mostly gets in touch for gardening tips. I don't know any gardening tips myself. If you were listening, Fabulous, I'd say, please can we end this little epistolary relationship of ours? But you're not listening. You have some kind of internet access, I know that much. If any listeners out there have any gardening tips for Fabulous Friedrich, please do get in touch with him. Don't bother me with it. You'll find him on Twitter. It's an interesting account. Either he works in a hair salon or he spends a lot of time hanging around outside a hair salon taking pictures through the window. I'm not going to encourage this kind of behaviour, but hold the camera still unless you want it to come out blurry, he's not listening. So really that's just a photography tip for anyone else who happens to spend their days hanging around outside hair salons. Like I say, he's on Twitter. I don't have the handle to hand. His handle towards my hand. (laughs) That's a sophisticated joke there. I just thought of that. I don't have his handle towards my hand, but just bear in mind, he's not the only fabulous Friedrich on Twitter. There's one in Zurich who's a marketing guru. Marketing guru. Strange combination of words, that, isn't it? I know what a marketing guru is, but when you say it out loud, it's like marketing guru. When I grow up, I want to be a marketing guru. A marketing guru from Zurich. I don't know where I'm going with this. I just like the way that those words sound when you put them together. That's all it is. I think we've exhausted the shout-out section now. Let's have a tune, and then before we talk to top comedian Matt Hoss, we can move on to the ideas section. Some great ideas coming right up. If I ever get back to one city 
Right, got some more ideas for you here, listeners. Here's an idea for a new character. I haven't got a name for him yet. His defining characteristic is, you know that thing people do where they compare one type of person to another type of person? Like, he's the Muhammad Ali of international banking. Or, she's like the Marie Curie of balloon modelling. So this new character of mine, he's heard people use this type of expression, but every time he attempts to use this little linguistic trick, he gets it slightly wrong. He'll say things like, He's like the Churchill of politics. She's like the Meryl Streep of acting. He's like a 21st century version of Justin Bieber. He's like the Chinese Bruce Lee, and so on. So that's that one, the man who gets things wrong. That's a good name. Let's call him that. Actually, now that we've got a name for him, he feels like a major character rather than just some guy getting an expression wrong. He could get some more things wrong as well. This is turning into an idea for a book. A novel called The Man Who Gets Things Wrong. We are cooking on gas here, guys. I'll have to think of some more things that the man who gets things wrong can get wrong. I had another idea for a creative project. I'll explain it to you in a moment, but just to preface the explanation. In a moment, I'm going to be using the words in the style of the film Bohemian Rhapsody. Just to explain for anyone who hasn't seen it, Benedict forced me to watch it the other day. I sat through the whole thing and I will confirm it is the worst film ever made. Just to summarise, it's a biopic of Mr. Fahrenheit. (laughs) That's... (laughs) Oh dear. Um, That's a reference to a previous episode, listeners. Uh, You may remember that about a year ago now I said, next time Mr. Fahrenheit comes up in conversation, I'll make a point of calling him Mr. Fahrenheit. Because he's burning through the sky. Yeah, 200 degrees. That's why they call him. Anyway, it's a um, biopic of Mr. Fahrenheit. And it's done through basically repeating the same joke over and over again in a slightly different guise. It goes something like this. Oh, what's the name of your band then? Queen? Oh, stupid name. No one's going to like that. Oh, wait a minute. People like him. Who's this lead singer you got now then? Oh, what's he calling himself? Freddie Mercury? Oh, what a stupid name. No one's going to like him. Oh, wait a minute. People like him. What's this new song you're working on then? What's this? A fast bit and a slow bit and a comedy opera bit? Stupid idea. That's not going to work. Oh look, it's a big hit. And so it goes on. Smug, self-congratulatory nonsense. And then the band get really successful. And you're thinking, oh right, thank God for that. Now they can stop doing that. This is never going to work. Joke. But they don't. They carry on doing it. All the way up to Live Aid. And when I say Live Aid, what I really mean is, Oh, Bob Geldof's doing some kind of concert for charity or something. Stupid idea. Who thought of that? And so on, until the film mercifully ends. Anyway, here's my idea. A biopic in the style of the film Bohemian Rhapsody, documenting the life of the person who invented the wheel. Now, here's an idea for a game show. It's called... Your guess is as good as mine, hosted by me, Frank Burton. I'm the host, and I'm one of the contestants as well. I go head-to-head with a different person each week. 
I don't know the answers to any of the questions, I just read them out. All the questions are ones that no one could possibly know the answer to, so you just have to guess. Like, what's the population of blah blah blah, some town that no one's heard of? 30 seconds on the clock, write down your best guess, and remember, Clyde from Somerset, your guess is as good as mine. So that's the premise. Oh, and one more thing. Somehow, we can rig the game, so I win the big prize every week. Like a big cruise trip, or a new sports car. Big cash prizes too. There's a nice little earner. Maybe some people will ask, like, presumably, seeing as you're the host of the show, you'll be donating all that stuff you want to charity. And I'll be like, no. I've worked hard for this. That is a good idea. I'd better start trying to get a showbiz agent. You know, showbiz. Show business. There's no business like it. None that I'm aware of anyway. That's the sort of thing I'll say when I'm hosting my game show. Cheesy lines like that. The next idea is, you know, it's more of a thought really, but it occurred to me the other day, dinosaurs didn't give themselves those names, did they? So in their time, there was such a thing as a triceratops, but the word triceratops didn't exist. You probably think I'm pointing out the obvious, but I've only just realised all this. The triceratops wasn't walking around going, I'm a triceratops, I am because of my three horns. He couldn't even count to three. They didn't have a system of mathematics. They had very small brains. He wasn't walking along going, yeah, check out that Stegosaurus. I wonder why it's called that. You see what I'm saying? I'm not sure what point I'm trying to make here. You know, it's like when you see a newborn baby and someone's put pajamas on him and there's dinosaurs on the pajamas. I mean, clearly that wasn't the baby's choice. He's not lying there going, oh, check out this outfit, man. Dinosaurs. I love it. I love anything prehistoric. Thanks, Dad. How well you know me. You know, it's like, what do sniffer dogs think they're doing? I don't mean, what do these sniffer dogs think they're doing? I know what they're doing. Do they know what they're doing? They don't know what they're doing. Someone just said to them, here you go, smell that. We're going to go around someone's house in a minute. If you find anything that smells like that, you tell me, right? Then you can have a biscuit. And the dog's like, yeah, sure, if it means that much to you. I do like a good biscuit. You know me, thinks the dog. You know me. I do like a good biscuit. Cookie to you Americans, thinks the dog. No one's explained to them the ins and outs of the control of illegal substances. All I'm saying is, dogs are intelligent creatures. Someone should brief these dogs fully on what's going on. What have you got to lose, eh? Are you concerned that the dogs are going to turn round and say, actually, I think you'll find there's a compelling case for legalisation and regulation. It'll put a stop to all these criminal gangs for a start. Are you worried that you might think the dog has a point? Just an idea. Where were we? I've got another idea for a film, okay? It's a biblical epic in the style of the film Bohemian Rhapsody. What? You're going to actually give birth in a stable with all these farm animals around? It's never going to work. What? You think you're going to feed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and a bit of fish? Are you out of your mind? It's never going to work. 
Oh look, they're crucifying him now. Hey, physician, heal thyself. What are you going to do, rise from the dead? It's never going to work. And so on. I'm still trying to think of some things for the man who gets things wrong to get wrong. I'm thinking maybe he's a primary school teacher or kindergarten, whatever. And every time he reads a story to the kids, he closes the book and then goes, so the moral of the story is... But he gets it all wrong. He says things like, so that was the story of the tortoise and the hare. The moral of the story is, when you get past a certain age, napping during the day doesn't do you much good. If anything, you just feel sluggish afterwards, then you sleep less well at night. It's better to power through. So that was the story of the gingerbread man. The moral of the story is... Actually, what is the moral of that story? Don't be overconfident if you're made of gingerbread. Feel free to run away from the folks who are trying to eat you. That's a sensible thing to do. But don't taunt them by singing a song about it. I suppose you're going to get eaten anyway. Maybe that's the moral of the story, kids. You're going to die. It's inevitable. If you're made of gingerbread, you're going to get eaten. Or go stale and eventually rot away. Same with all of us. You're going to die, kids. So that's another bit for the man who gets things wrong. I like this character, you know. I have a good feeling about it. I think on one level, people can read all about him in my book and go, <laughs> he keeps getting things wrong, doesn't he? But also, they can feel a little bit of sympathy for him. Oh, poor guy. Keeps getting everything wrong. And then... On another level, you can relate to him. Like, yeah, I get things wrong sometimes as well. Not as often as this guy, but still. I know what it's like to walk in this man's shoes. That's the beauty of the man who gets things wrong. There's another book idea. It'll be called The Beauty of the Man Who Gets Things Wrong. It'll be something for the fans. Talking about how good the man who gets things wrong is. Someone else will have to write it because otherwise I'd come off as being a little bit smug. I'll be too busy anyway writing the books. The Man Who Gets Things Wrong. The Further Adventures of The Man Who Gets Things Wrong. The Man Who Gets Things Wrong on Holiday. That's the way with these things. The third one in the series always has to involve the main character going on holiday. Imagine that. He gets so many things wrong in his own country. Imagine how many things he'll get wrong in a place where he doesn't know the language. Also, he'll get the location wrong. He'll turn up in Reykjavik in the middle of winter in a t-shirt and shorts. Sun cream at the ready. Let's check out those famous Icelandic beaches. Well, this is going to run and run. My God. I'll start work on the book very soon. Hopefully by next week, I'll have the first chapter for you. The man who gets things wrong. Watch out for that. Perfect 
judge here despairing to most perfect game Nowhere to hear, never too beautiful Nowhere to hear, never too beautiful A little innocence creates a day A little innocence creates a day And something thought or done or wished without a little innocence, although it were as red as terror and as green as fate. Greatly shall fail and dully disappear. But the proud power of himself, death immense, is not so as a little innocence, is not so as a little innocence. Not so as a little innocent. Now it's time for this week's guest, Matt Hoss. Matt is a very funny man and a great stand-up. You can listen to his debut stand-up comedy album, Here Comes Your Man, on Bandcamp or via Matt's website. He's also a prolific podcaster. We're going to be hearing all about his brand new podcast, Castival. We're also going to talk about Matt's album, British Redneck, which is country music done deliberately badly. It's funny stuff. As a matter of fact, here's a bit of it now. When I was a kid, massive metal fan. When I was hit about like fourth, maybe 13, 14, really started getting into metal. I don't know what triggered it, but, uh, oh, actually I do. I started playing the Guitar Hero games and they really, they gave me a lot of different 
variation of different types of music, lots of different uh, mass. It really opened up my eyes musically because it offered me a whole world of different things that I couldn't even conceivably check out. And that's why I kind of first got my forays in metal, really got into Metallica. Metallica were my, like, they were, they were my band and, uh, and they were the band I saw uh, a lot. And like, even to this, like, even this morning, I would still listen to them. Uh, it was at the time where family with, and friends were like, oh, well, you know, metal and you'll, you'll grow out of it. But thankfully, I haven't, you know. And obviously, my music taste has changed since uh, a teenager, as I think it's rightfully should. I'm quite happy that uh, Metallica was one of the, like the bands for me. I saw them live loads, and I I, I, I watched the Glastonbury highlights the other night, and Glass uh, and Metallica were on. And I was just still mesmerised by it as well. I just I like that. I really like that. Um, but yeah, really got into a lot of heavy metal uh, stuff like Megadeth and. Uh, uh, I went to download quite a lot of years as well, which was really fun. As I got older, I was less tribalistic about metal and started exploring different areas of rock. I started like, growing into indie and started softening those tastes a little bit. I, I listened to a lot of uh, Ellis James and John Robbins who do the Keep It Sessions sessions where they talk about music they like at the end of their podcast. And uh, I really, really loved that. And, and that opened up some more niche doors as well. So I started getting to a lot more American indie stuff just generally punk, I really started to be more drawn towards because it was like rock in sound, but in what they were saying was a bit more uh, engaging politically as well. It was really fascinating. I got into comedy, I started off when I was 18 years old, uh, and I did drama joint honours with classics at the University of Kent. I travelled from North Yorkshire all the way down to Canterbury to, to kind of study there. And in the first week, I realised that there was a module uh, in my third year, but also a whole master's course dedicated to stand-up comedy. And there was people in that year who were also, who were doing it. And I was mesmerized by the idea of stand-up. And I've seen it live before, and, I, uh, and I've seen it like tons of times before. I used to watch a lot of uh, stand-up on the telly and really love it. And, uh, but just seeing it there, seeing it as an option was like, wow, that's something I could genuinely do. Because I've always wanted to be a performer and that's taken a lot of iterations. Like uh, I've wanted to be a rock star when I was younger. I wanted to be an actor. But uh, those never really worked out. With stand-up, it worked quite nicely because I'm a bit of a loner. So to have an art form which I can express myself just by myself without working with other people, and because I, I think other people weren't as reliable as I was. So I 
yeah, a stand-up became quite interesting. And I did my first gig. I didn't want to wait until my fourth year to do my first stand-up gig because I thought it was too long. And I was too interested too keen to do it. So I started, I started my second year. And it was at the first ever gig was at a vegetarian cafe run by a lovely man in Canterbury. Well, he lives in Dover uh, called Paul. And Paul gave me my first gig. At the time, it was a very good gig, but uh, in retrospect, it was uh, it didn't go that well. I, I ended the, the set by swearing at a 12-year-old child saying every single swear word because my last joke didn't get a laugh, so I thought that would be funny, and it wasn't funny, and I walked off stage. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how I end every gig, by the way, Frank. <laughs> so that's how I started, and really from there, you just kind of grow and grow, and it's a lot of dedication and sacrifice, but I was able to get to a point where I was able to um, start doing it a bit more professionally. And last year I did my first hour at the Edinburgh Fringe. I'd written hours before then in anticipation of the Fringe, but that's where I created the show Here Comes Your Man, which was a, a massive labor of love for me in a lot of different ways. And um, yeah, t- tell me about the uh, companion piece to this. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. And uh, now British Redneck is... It's a weird one, I would say, because I, I, I'm a big fan of it, but it's, <laughs> it, it is meant to be part of uh, the stand-up show, and it's meant to be a piece of merchandise I sold at the end of Edinburgh Fringe, because, you know, in the world's largest art festival, you want to, I always like a souvenir piece. I like something at the end to remind you of that show, and that might be a badge or something, but I thought, why not make a CD? Because Here Comes Your Man was a show which is about, it's ultimately about heartbreak and kind of getting over someone, and well, uh, and what and this is a very personal story which took about a year to kind of write this show as well it was really uh, it was a difficult thing to to write and so i thought with uh, british uh, quite early on in the grieving process after the heartbreak i thought it wouldn't be quite funny if i tried to win her back by uh, by writing a country album and that kind of manifested into the show and in the final product is there and it's kind of a massive bit of whimsy but i thought uh, what would be a really funny punchline is if it was, wasn't was just a whimsical notion that, oh, I created a country album for her, is if I would actually create a genuine <laughs> album, uh, music, just set, and I could sell it afterwards. And people did find it funny. Uh, although when I did take it on tour, um, a lot less people bought it than I thought they would do. But, you know, that's by the by. But, yeah, so British Redneck, it's um, what it is. It's uh, essentially an album. It's a comedy album, but it's not issued that way it looks like i'm trying very hard to do it and a lot of effort went into creating it for sure but also if you look at it by itself it looks quite crazy and uh, a lot of the songs are in reference to the show and that's that's what it's meant to do but if you look at the songs by themselves it looks quite quite insane because in fact i'm not sure if i should say this on air but uh I remember when I released British Redneck, it was about three weeks after the Fringe, which because I didn't get it ready in time for the Fringe, but I thought I'd get it ready for my tour show. And I released it, and uh, the person who I'd broken up with uh, the year previous, uh, before uh, the show, which Here Comes Man is about, she got in touch with me. He's like, man, are you, are you still into me? Because like, that, that was like a year ago, like, and like you just released this album. And I had to go like, no, 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 just to clarify, I, I, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just to do with the show, and it did not go down that well. <laughs> So, yeah, it was quite, quite, uh, quite awkward. But yeah, it's um, and I think British Redneck is there to, to show the kind of um, how crazy in love I get as well, how how kind of uh, head over heels I get, and how intense I get. That 
the part of the show about Here Comes Your Man, and it was kind of pointed, it's, it's in the background, but not everyone gets it, but the whole point, not, not the point of the show, but I show my vulnerable side, but also it's supposed to highlight how intense I can be, how, how much of a crazy person I can be, but seeing it from my perspective as well. But uh, yeah, and I think this album kind of also highlights that as well. You're not very pretty now, you don't like my kitty now, you stroke no left from right. You're mostly nice I guess I'm settling down for you Yeah baby, I'm settling down for you Do you worry that someone might come across it one day and think that it is a serious <laughs> that it is a serious record? Uh, well, you know what? I didn't put on Spotify for that very reason because I think I, if you need you, I think if it's on Bandcamp it's there, so you can quite clearly see that, that it's there. I think it references Here Comes Your Man as well. On Spotify, if it was just the music. The thing is, it's labelled a country album, but it isn't a country album. It's just, I thought, I <laughs> I have no idea what country music sounds like. So I just, I just thought, which is part of the joke, I think. It's mostly rock, I guess, rock and metal. and But with uh, the idea of uh, forlorning for love, which I guess what I thought country music was. I'm not that worried about people checking it out because I think it will either create confusion uh, or if they just don't like it, I don't, I don't mind it because I, I think musically it, <laughs> it isn't that good, I don't think. And it, it, creating a music album is way harder than I thought it would be. Only when it was released, one of my friends was like, you do know one of these songs is just completely out of time. And I think that adds to the joke. I think, I think that makes it funnier. <laughs> but I think you have to know that going in for it to be funny. If you would just listen to the music, as you mentioned, hypothetically, I think people would be like, hmm, this is just, just bad music. But I think that's what makes it funny. Yeah, well, it's, it's very funny. I liked it a lot. Thank it, you. It succeeds. Uh, it doesn't necessarily succeed as music, but it succeeds as comedy, definitely. Well, yeah, that's that's. I'm glad that because um, yeah, because uh, well, I think there's some decent ideas and uh, not bad stuff there. But I think if I was to take the rest of lockdown to polish it off, I think I could actually make it into a decent. I started working on a new project called Castable, which is about music festivals. 
I recently got a phone and started working on GarageBand and stuff like that. So I started like producing like little jingles for it. And uh, it's the first time I use stuff like GarageBand because I'm quite a technophobe really. But like I, uh, yeah, I very much, um, I started enjoying doing little ditties like that. It's like, oh, if I had this for British Redneck, I would actually, you know, it would be so much easier. Do you know what I mean? But uh, never mind. Because uh, I really did it. It was, the recording process was very, um, very punk and DIY. I was just like plugging stuff in, hoping the best. And you can hear that. You can really, really hear the lack of professional uh, audio recording in that album. Well, yeah, that, that's, all, that's all part of it, I suppose, isn't it? Well, yeah, you know what? Like, to, to go down on that punk analogy, I, I'm very much influenced by uh, someone like um, Jeff Rosenstock who, uh, from uh, Bomb the Music Industry, who is very much, if you don't know who they are or who Jeff or uh, Bomb the Music Industry are, they were a band with a punk outset and they would only do shows for... A maximum of ten dollars and there's like 10 people in the band as well and uh free merchandise what they do is get a t-shirt at the end of it and gets like stencils and they spray paint you one and like you don't pay basically and they put, um, they put all the music free online so you know, and this was like 2006 as well so it's very much like this is a big movement and a free and radical idea of putting stuff out for free on the internet and it's supposed to be like a, a cult kind of following and I, I really like that the idea that it's not perfect but you know it's punk you know just just do it because it's there you know what I mean I like that it's punk in sound but the lyrics are so subtle poignant and punchy I know subtle and punchy are oxymorons. However, it's understandable because uh, uh, the, the, the lyrics will knock you out, but sometimes you'll need to listen to it a few times to understand it. It's like, it's like the best onion you could ever have. It's really wonderful music. If you listen to Worry by Jeff Rosenstock, I guarantee you it's one of the best albums ever. You might not get it and, and you might not like appreciate it, and that's fine because it's not for everyone. But I think... Yeah, it could be your favourite album. I think it's it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I should. I haven't heard of that actually. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's a real treat. Uh, if you uh, bomb the music industry is good, it's like pop punk. But uh, Jeff Rosenstock went solo in uh, twenty twelve. Like his first proper EP came out in twenty fifteen. His albums are amazing, and he just released an album in the last couple of months called No Dream, which is fantastic. And yeah, it's wonderful. Castable to be something special, and the Castable, uh, and, and thankfully it's turned out to be that way. And what Castable is, it's where uh, kind of famous 
guests and uh, mostly comedians at the moment, um, but they pitch their idea for their perfect music festival. So they get to pick the lineup they want. They get to pick out uh, like what kind of food and drink they want. And uh, basically, the world is their oyster. They get to pick uh, how, what they want to see, what kind of festival they would like to do. And the creativity from each of the acts is wonderful because they um, each each person brings something really novel and wonderful to it. And uh, yeah, I, it's been a real joy to uh, create. And yeah, and I'm just a you know I'm not a famous comedian by any aspect but this is something i'm genuinely very proud of and uh yeah i i, I hope that people do uh, check it out because i think it's i think it's a cool idea and especially in lockdown where we aren't able to access any festivals or anything like that i think what's quite cool is that um this is like a a, a small backup prize you know it's a it's a it's a little taste of oh that's what festivals were you know what i mean and uh, it's it's a little appetizer just before like festivals come back do you know what I mean hopefully it'll tide us over we're doing it season by season so there's 10 episodes in season one we'll run that for 10 weeks we'll have a small break but um by my calculations I think we'll probably be ready to go straight away but yeah and we'll, we'll do it season by season but the idea is a uh, quality not quantity as well so uh, we really uh yeah uh the the episodes are quite um and also, uh, we, well, we don't want to do too many episodes because the episodes are quite long, actually. Because when I first started out, I just wanted it to be about 45 minutes an hour. Really, I really want to get to the heart of, of why people are interested. Because I wanted... Uh, the idea initially is to talk about music. I love music so much. And uh, I think that's the reason why I wanted to write British Redneck as well. I love music. And it's more like an homage to my tastes, if anything. For example, uh, I think the final track on British Redneck, it's um, like my DNA or something like that. And it's a, it's an homage to a Jeff Rosenstock song called Twinkle as well. The, well, the vocal melody is. But um, yeah, I, uh, but the, the real reason what Castable, I think what the best thing about Castable, it really kind of, it's not just about the music. It's about why people are passionate, what drives them to like the things that they do. And it's kind of like, it's like a a cultural biography of a person. And I think I really like that. It's a music interview. Well, it's, it's an interview of a person and who they are without them knowing it. And it's quite, quite interesting. Uh, and I like that. Yeah, uh, and originally they were only meant to be an hour long. However, I just naturally, the episodes just elongated. Like uh, the first episode I did was with uh, uh, Michael Legg, who was a absolute treasure and we meant to record in for like 45 minutes but it, it was over two hours just because we just talked and talked and talked and I, I had a real hard time trying to edit it down to an hour so I was like you know what screw it I'm gonna put it out to I'm just gonna make it an hour and uh, hour and a half and uh, yeah it's I just think it's uh, it's you know I, I like that idea because it's just like that's the best thing about podcasts as, as you sure would know that you can just kind of put out it's a free form where you can kind of do anything you want and uh, you can take those liberties and some people might not like it but equally it's your creative decision to do so and I think that's why I'm also drawn to podcasts like the same way why I draw the stand-up that you can just do what you want by yourself and in any means to do that is available as well so yeah and I'm pretty proud of Castable so uh, yeah I hope you check it out.
Thank you for listening and thank you to the great Matt Hoss. Links to all of Matt's stuff are in the show notes alongside links to all of my stuff, frankburton.co.uk. Check out my books, watch my video series, The Ragbag Rambler. Another great show next week with another great guest. Watch out for it. I will see you very soon. Physician, heal thyself. It's never going to work. Podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.